This morning we continue our study in the Gospel of Luke, our study in the good news of Jesus Christ as recorded by Luke himself. And actually this is the next to last sermon in this study. Uh, eight years and it comes down now to two weeks, this week and next week. Uh, and I'll just be very honest, I get emotional when I think about that. Uh, eight years, eight years that we have looked at the life and the ministry of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And really that's, that's what this has been, just a, a look into the life and the ministry of our Savior, Jesus. Uh, eight years that we have peered into the grace and the power of our mighty God as shown to us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'll just tell you, that is a tremendous thing. All the way from the very first verse to our conclusion next week, what an awesome thing for all of these sermons, all of these years, to see our Savior and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ as Luke has recorded it. I laugh when I think that in my seminary class on contemporary preaching, they taught, they actually taught, it was part of the textbook, that people like sermons in series. They like sermons in series, and that, they said the best length uh, for a sermon series would be between six and eight weeks. Well, I would like to call back and tell them, well, try eight years. Uh, I also think it is funny that someone said uh, 11 and 12-year-olds here, hold on a second, Things are falling out everywhere. I think it's also funny, someone one time said, it's been about a month or two ago, that 11 and 12-year-olds here think that Luke is the only Bible, the book in the Bible. And I'll just tell you, to me it has been great. Well, uh, now in the last two weeks, as I think about this, as I see the conclusions, I see how it ends, uh, in the last two weeks I want to ask the question, what is the greatest thing afforded to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here we've been, all of these messages, all of these weeks, all of these verses, and I want you to think, and I want us to think, what is the greatest thing that is afforded to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is the greatest thing that we hold in the perfect life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth? What, what is the greatest benefit that we hold in the good news of Jesus Christ. And I, I want to think about that. What, a, what an opportunity we have as we've surveyed all of these verses to say what is the greatest benefit that we hold in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it the forgiveness of sin? Because, oh, I love, I need the forgiveness of sin. Is it the truth that he bears our sin, that he takes our sin to the cross of Calvary, that Jesus himself forgives our sin. The Bible says remembering them no more is the greatest part of our gospel, the forgiveness of sin. Or is it restoration, renewal? Think about that for a second. What was lost in sin? What was lost there in the sin in the garden? What is lost in our lives due to sin is gained in Jesus Christ. What was ruined in sin is made right in Jesus Christ and all is restored in the good news of the gospel. Is it restoration? Is that the greatest thing made new again in Jesus Christ? Is that the greatest part of our gospel? Is it eternal life? 
that in the gospel, by faith in Jesus, death is defeated. Death is overcome. We will live eternally. I will live. We will live eternally. I, I, I will see my dad again. Y'all, y'all see Dwayne again. JJ and Christy, y'all are gonna see Joshua. Amy, you're gonna see your mom again. Is that the greatest part of this? That in Jesus Christ, if by faith in him, we shall not perish, but we shall live forevermore. Surely that's the greatest part of our gospel. Is it eternal life? What is the best thing afforded to us in the good news of the gospel? What an awesome thing to think about. What is the greatest thing that we have in the good news of Jesus Christ? What is the greatest thing? Well, friends, let me tell you this morning what I believe. After eight years, these eight years, I believe it is all of those things and, and many more things as well. I believe it is all of those things, but I believe all of those things make up one word. All of those things add to one word. And that is this, the fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The greatest thing that's given to us as hopeless, ruined sinners in the gospel of Jesus Christ, listen to me, is peace. It is peace. The greatest thing that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ is peace, peace with God, peace through Jesus Christ, peace in our souls. The greatest thing we have in our gospel is peace. Eight years in and next to the last week, our message today is entitled, Peace to You, Peace to You. To you. We're in Luke chapter 24, today verses 36 through 44. Peace to you. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and we are thankful. We are so thankful today to have peered into the, the majestic, marvelous gospel of our salvation, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm thankful as we stand here on this day, we understand that of no work of our own, but in the grace of God shown through Jesus, we have eternal life. We look forward to it, Lord. Dear Father, we have in the grace of Jesus the redemption of our sinful souls that you purchased us back. We have the forgiveness of our sins. We bear them no more. Lord, I thank you for that. 
Lord, I'm thankful that we see renewal and restoration in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that as it should be, it will be again because of your work at Calvary. So, Lord, we come today and we profess we love you, we thank you, we marvel at you because of your gospel of grace. Lord, I pray as we pass through this week and next week that you would be known, that you would be celebrated, that again your truth would be spoken and we would marvel at a Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray you do a supernatural work. I pray for some in this room today, even in this room today, that might not know you. I pray that today in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that today they might draw near, that today might be the day of their salvation to the glory of our Savior Jesus. Lord, we give this to you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. And in your name, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Today I'm going to go through our verses, the verses that we've set out today. I'm going to go through those verses and then I'm going to go and and come back to it and I'm going to pull out three things, three points that we're going to look at today about this peace. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Now, understand as we move into our verses this morning, for, for the context, be sure and understand, this is the same day that we looked at last week. This is the day of our Lord's Resurrection. This is Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. And the events that we're looking at in our verses today are a continuation of the day's events. And so understand, this is the first day of the week. This is the day that Jesus is resurrected. And our verses today are a continuation of the day's events. The day starts and the women go to the tomb. They find that the tomb is empty. The angel says, he's not here, he's, he is risen. They have the message from the angels. And they go and they report it to the apostles. The Bible tells us, the gospel accounts tell us, John and Peter, they run to the tomb and they find the same. The tomb is empty. The biblical accounts tell us that Jesus appears to Peter. And then last week in our verses, he appears to Cleopas and this other guy, this other disciple. And the, the word of the day is starting to spread. There is a a buzz that is starting to spread as the day passes along. At the least, the tomb is empty, and at best, Jesus is alive. And I want you to know by the point we find our verses today, at the least, the tomb is empty. We don't know what has happened. At the least, we see that, or at the best, Jesus is alive. There have been eyewitnesses, and at the best, the Savior is alive. Alive. Well, understand that is this day. This is a continuation of the resurrection day. Verse 36, we now head into our verses. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. While they were telling these things, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. To you. While, while they were telling these things, they're back in Jerusalem. The disciples, the followers of Christ have assembled, and the Bible says they are telling these things. Now, for sure, they're talking about the events of the day. They're talking about Jesus being alive and the possibility of that, the potential of that. They're talking about the tomb being empty and the eyewitness to that. 
They're talking about the reports of the angels. The angels themselves have proclaimed this. And, and Peter has seen him. And Peter is telling that story. And, and now Cleopas and this other, this other disciple, they're telling their story and, and how they were walking along this road and how Jesus opened up the scriptures and he used the scriptures to reveal who he was. And, and they're telling the story how they were eating with him and how in the breaking of bread they recognized this as Jesus. And so understand, it is a huge conversation as they are telling these things. It is an exciting conversation as they are telling these things. But while that is going on, the Bible says, he himself stood in their midst. How, how tremendous. We can't understand that. You know what, I think he's alive. You know what, the tomb was empty. You know what, these two guys here tell us a story about they recognized it was Jesus and Jesus stood in their midst and he said to them, peace be to you. Peace be with you. Now this one statement is what I want to focus on today. I've been eight years. I think I can go another week and get this statement nailed down. This one statement is what I want to look at today. This one statement is what I want to focus on today. It literally translates peace to you. Jesus shows up in their midst. I don't know how he gets there. I don't know if he, if he appears, if he walks in. I don't know how he gets there. But Jesus is in their midst and he says, peace to you. Now there's some... And they say that this is just a common greeting, the Hebrew word shalom, and that this is just a common greeting. And he shows up in their midst, and just as a common greeting, when he shows up, he says, peace, shalom, hello, is what we would say today, hello, or, or greetings to you. And they would say, this is just a common greeting. He, he shows up, and he says, peace to you. He greets them. Now, I want to show you today why well, I believe it's actually way bigger than that. Why well, it's way more tremendous than that. And I'm going to ask that you'd follow with me as we pass through these verses. The first thing to understand is he says this to them. Peace be to you. Peace to you. First thing to see is the context in which he speaks it. And I don't think we can ever separate what is said from the context into which it is said. And so we're going to gain some tremendous meaning by looking at the context. And so the first thing is see the, the context into which he speak it, speaks it. Understand this group, since the last time that he addressed them together, they had deserted him. This group, since the last time that they had been addressed by Jesus together, they had abandoned him. Since the last time they met together, one of them had even denied knowing him. I don't know who he is. He even cursed. Oh, I don't know who he is. Since the last time they had gathered together, they'd watched him die. Brutally beaten, suffered and died there on the cross of Calvary. They, they had watched the Savior die since the last time they were assembled together. Since the last time, they had been fearful for their own lives. And the thought would be surely they were next to stop the spread of this movement, to stop the movement in its tracks. 
Surely they would be next. They would have to be killed next. They, we've killed the leader. Now let's kill those that were following him. And so, so as they're thinking, surely we'll be next, they are consumed with fear. And so the last time, since the last time they were assembled, they have stood in great fear. Since the last time, they had doubted everything. Jesus is dead. What, what was this all about anyway? Who was he anyway? All the things that he claimed, and now he's dead, the son of God, and he's dead? The two disciples on the road said, we thought that he was the one. We, we hoped that he was the one, but now he's dead. They had been consumed with doubt. We don't even know what's going on here. Who even was he? They've been consumed in doubt. And I'm sure that they are brokenhearted over their responses. I'm sure that they're ashamed over their responses. I, I'm sure that they're filled with guilt. Peter said, I'll even die for you, Lord. I'll die for you. And he denied who he was. I'm sure they're consumed with guilt. Jesus died and they fled. Jesus died and they hid and they denied and they abandoned him. They doubted even who he was. And now... He is again in their midst. I want you to see this. And the first word that he speaks to them is not condemnation. The first word that he speaks to them is not an accusation. He doesn't say, hey, where, where did y'all go? I was looking for you. Where did you go? He doesn't say, where was your faith after these three years? Surely after all that you saw, you had a greater faith than that. The first word that he speaks to them is peace. Peace to you. Now, friends, listen very carefully. You want to know why this is so marvelous? You want to know why this is so tremendous? Listen very carefully. Let me tell you why this is so awesome. It's because that is our Savior and because that is our gospel. I want to tell you, we, we, ought to, we ought to be a people filled with praise. We ought to be a people filled with thanksgiving because that is our Savior. That is my Savior, and that is our gospel. Let me tell you why this is the greatest thing. Let me tell you why this is so awesome. It is because for us as sinners, when we approach, when I approach Jesus fresh from our greatest failing when we come to Jesus and we're stained in our sin, when we're covered in our sin, when we come to Jesus and we're ruined in our sin, when we come to Jesus and we've disgraced his name, we've rebelled against our hope, not a word of condemnation, not a word of accusation. As we stand ruined in our sin, as we come to Jesus, he doesn't berate us. He says, peace I give to you, not as the world gives, Peace to you. That is our Savior and that is our gospel. How tremendous. Second thing, if you can top that, second thing is this, the word itself. The word here is, is pretty, pretty awesome. The word used here is a Greek word that means rest. Now I want you to listen very carefully. The absence of striving, rest. Now, it specifically translates wholeness. Now, follow with me. 
There is rest because there is wholeness. There is rest because everything is there. It literally means this, everything fits together. There is rest because there is completion. Peace to you, Jesus says. There is forgiveness. There is restoration. There is renewal. There is eternal life. There is our redemption. Not a piece of it is missing. Nothing is left for us to do. There's nothing we need to go search out. There's no striving to do on our part. He says, rest. It's all here. It is finished. And in that, you have peace. Let me tell you something, friends. Look around today. The world needs a whole lot of peace. The world's looking for peace today. And it's searching and it's striving for peace. And the world thinks maybe we'll find it over here. Maybe we'll find it over there. Maybe it's in this thing. And they're searching for peace in this thing. And then a whole bunch of us today, we're faking it. We're acting like we have peace. But at night when we lay our heads on our pillow, the turmoil brews up again and there is no peace The world needs peace. And Jesus says, you can rest. You can see striving. It is complete. All the things are assembled. You have it all. Peace to you. Do you know how good news that is? Whatever your situation today, listen, there's peace in Jesus Christ. Well, what if I don't get my finances shaped up? There's peace in Jesus Christ. What if I've messed up so terribly? There's peace in Jesus Christ. Oh, the turmoil of my home. Listen, there's peace in Jesus Christ. Do you know what kind of good news that is? There is peace in Jesus Christ. It is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It is all there in Jesus Christ. And we can rest in Jesus Christ. Our Savior, our gospel, the first words, peace to you. Verse 37. But they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit. Translates, they were terrified. They were terrified. Here's another translation. They thought he was a ghost. He's a spirit. They thought he was a ghost. Now, first I want you to see this. Be sure of this. The resurrection of Jesus is always overwhelming. And that's how it ought to be. Sometimes we get so so used to the truth that he's alive, that he is resurrected, that we're no longer overwhelmed. Listen, The resurrection of Jesus Christ should always be overwhelming. The resurrection of Jesus should always be astounding to us. We ought to marvel at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The reality that he was dead, stone dead. He was placed in a grave. He's dead and he comes out of the grave and he's alive. We ought to marvel at that. The resurrection of Jesus is always overwhelming. And for them, maybe you're like them, It's one thing to stand there as a bunch of people say he's alive, but it's another thing to stand with him as he's alive. And we sit in here and say, we have a risen Savior. We have a risen Savior. I'm going to tell you, he walked in the back door, it would be a whole different thing. It's a different thing to say he's alive than it is to stand there with the Savior 
and he is alive. And the Bible says, and they were terrified. I was thinking about this yesterday afternoon. I know I will see Jesus. I, I don't have a doubt. I do not have a doubt. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's because of my faith in Christ, not of anything I did. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But I can tell you, I am thoroughly convinced I will see Jesus. I know I'm going to see Jesus. I'm counting on the fact that I'll see Jesus. I'm looking forward to the day that I see Jesus. But at the same time, just like the song that we sing, I can't imagine when I see Jesus. I can't imagine. Oh, that's, I can't really imagine the day that I see Jesus and there he is and there's my Savior. I'm ready to see Jesus. Oh, but let me tell you, I can't imagine when I see Jesus. Well, he walks in their midst and, and the Bible says they were terrified. Verse 38. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Verse 39. See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. The, the, the words translate, I am I myself. Now, that's kind of confusing when I put that together, but that's, that's actually what it, what it translates. I am I myself. It is like he is emphatically declaring, it is me, it is me, I am me, my, I myself, it is, it is me. And then he says, see my hands and see my feet, touch me. Be sure of the fact a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. Touch me, it translates, handle me, see that I'm not a spirit, verse 40. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. He says, look, it's an actual resurrection. Look, it's actually me. I was dead. You saw me. Some of you put me away in the, in the grave. I am alive. Be sure. Verse 41. While they could not believe it, while they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, have you any, anything here to eat? Now verse 41 says they still could not believe it. Now it tells us the reasons they could not believe it. It says they could not believe it because of their joy, which means they're so glad. They can't believe it because they're so glad. It says they couldn't believe it because of their amazement, their astonishment. It is so astonishing to them, they can't believe it. This is too much. It's too tremendous. Here's, here's what this is saying. They could not believe it because it was too good to be true. And that, that's what that phrase means. It was too good to be true. They're, they're so filled with joy. They're so glad. They're so astonished. They're so amazed. They're blown away. They can't believe it. It's too good to be true. And as they're sitting there and they're marveling, they can't figure it out, Jesus says, have you anything here to eat? I think that's kind of comical. Just He just ate with Cleopas and this other guy. I was thinking, evidently you're, you're hungry after a resurrection. 
And these people are marveling. They're, they're marveling. He says, is there, anything, is there anything here to eat? Is there anything, do you have anything here to eat? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's alive. Do y'all have anything here to eat? Verse 42 and 43 together. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. They didn't have a fryer. They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it before them. And the Savior of all mankind, the King of all kings, the Lord of lords, took it and ate it before them. He takes it and he eats it right where they can see it. He's making a point, ghosts do not eat. He's making a point, I am me. I am myself. You're looking at me. I am Jesus back from the dead. He eats it there in their midst. Now right there, I want to go back and I want to see, I want to look at three truths about this piece. Why is this the greatest thing? Why is this the most tremendous thing? Well, I want you to see three things that we need to get, that we need to understand that we need to see about our gospel. Now, I'll just tell you this. We have lost the amazement with the, with the hugeness of our gospel today. We've lost astonishment with the gospel of Jesus Christ today. And I'm afraid we, we, we're, we're expecting a lost world out there that's toiling around and spinning around in sin to say, hey, look at that gospel when the church is no longer astonished with the gospel of Jesus Christ today. And so I want you to see, we need to understand these truths of the peace that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to understand these three things about our gospel. Why is this so great? Listen very carefully. Why is this so great? First is this. Peace is paid for on the cross of Calvary. The first reason that our gospel is so great, the first reason that peace is the greatest thing that we receive in the gospel is this. Peace is paid for in the cross of Calvary. Peace is paid for in the cross of Calvary. Notice there in verse 38, he says, why do you doubt? Verse 39, he says, see my hands and my feet. Folks, be sure today you could not look at his hands and you could not look at his feet and not see the cost of peace. In the Gospel of John, it says that he showed him his hands and his side. In the Gospel of John, remember to Thomas, he says, put your finger there in my hand. And as Jesus stands here, as he professes peace to them, he does so having purchased their peace in his very own blood. And with holes in his hands and with holes in his side and with holes in his feet, they could be sure the price was paid. There was nothing left to pay. It was settled on the cross of Calvary and Jesus paid it all. Friends, today when we stand in peace, the good news is it has been bought and it's been paid for in the blood of Jesus Christ. There's nothing left for us to do. There's nothing left for us to earn. There's nothing left for us to secure. Peace is paid for on the cross of Calvary. Woo, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Oh, I'd like to have some of that peace. It's paid for in the cross of Calvary. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Peace is paid for in the cross of Calvary. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Ooh, peace is paid for in the cross of Calvary. Second thing is this. This is pretty exciting if that one wasn't. Peace. Man, this is awesome. Peace is proclaimed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peace is proclaimed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is very profound today, but be very sure the price was paid for on the cross. The price was paid in full on the cross. All of the price was paid on the cross, but peace is only proclaimed as Jesus stands as the resurrected Savior. Now get that, be sure and understand that today. It is only when the tomb is empty, it is only when the Savior stands, it is only when Jesus walks out of the grave in the power of a living God that Paul says, then our hope is not in vain. That Paul says, then death is forever defeated. That Paul says, then victory is declared. And it is as the resurrected Savior living again that Jesus says, see my hands and see my feet and doubt no more. All of the pieces are assembled and you can rest in me. Peace is proclaimed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wow. As he stands that day, death is defeated. Oh, it's tremendous victory. And peace is forever proclaimed. You want to know why we have peace? We have a risen Savior. Peace is proclaimed in the resurrection of Jesus. With holes in his hands, he says, you can rest in me. Peace to you. Peace is paid for at the cross. Peace is proclaimed in the resurrection of Jesus. And the third thing why our gospel is so great, and the third reason why our peace is so great, so tremendous, is that peace is the person of Jesus Christ. You understand that peace is a person for us. Peace is a person. Do you see that? Do you see how, how great that is? Do you, do you understand that? Jesus says in verse 39, I am I myself. Do, do you see what that means? Look today, listen. The world is dying today without peace. Turn on your news. Just walk outside in your neighborhood. The world today is dying without peace. They're scrambling all around looking for peace and they're longing for peace and the world is so trained us that, you know what, if I could just get this job, I'll find peace. If I could just get this relationship sorted out, I'll find peace. If I could just level, uh, have this level of, of financial wealth, I'll find peace. If I could just have all these pleasures, I'll have peace. And the world tells us, you know, if you were just stronger, if you were just stronger, if you were just smarter, if you just had a greater intellect, if you just had more willpower, that's your problem. You need more willpower. Then you'll find peace. 
And the world says, you know what, you need better circumstances. And if you just had a better environment, a different environment, then you would find peace. And then we come around and we sit in our house at dark and we say, to what? oh, if I'd only not made those decisions, oh, if I'd only not gone that route, oh, if I could go back and do those things again, I've messed it up, Lord. I've messed it up so bad. And the world is crying out, oh, we need a savior. Oh, somebody save us. We've looked all these places. We can't find any peace. And listen to me to hear this. Do you know why this is so awesome? Because for eight years and for 24 chapters and for 1,151 verses and for 1,900 and 482 words, God in his grace says, you need peace. His name is Jesus. We have peace in Jesus. And that is our gospel. That is our good news. That is our Savior. Peace to you. What a Savior. What a God. What grace. Peace to you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. We marvel. We marvel at your goodness. We marvel at your kindness. We love your holiness, your justice. But oh Lord, we love your grace shown to us as sinners. I'm thankful that we have in Christ eternal life. Oh, I'm so thankful for the forgiveness of sin. I'm so thankful for the restoration, the renewal, the redemption of the cross and the resurrection. But Lord, I'm thankful that all that tied together affords me a sorry sinner Peace, peace to you. Lord, we praise you for that. We thank you for that. Lord, I, I pray a couple things. I pray that we here today as believers that we would marvel at the peace we have in the gospel, that we would be astounded again anew with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So much so that it would shape our priorities. So much so that it would, would, it would shape how we live. So much so that it would shape our proclamation of that peace to a world that's looking for it. Lord, help us be agents of the, of the peace, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, my, my second prayer is this. If there's somebody here and they can't find peace, they're looking and they're trying and they're striving and they're hurting and they can't find peace, I pray that, Lord, today they would look to Jesus. They would look to Jesus. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I give. That they would find peace today in my Savior, Jesus. Lord, open their ears, open their eyes, open their hearts. And I pray that today they would turn to Jesus. Lord, I know your word is, is powerful, living and active. I know the gospel is the power of God unto salvation and it hasn't changed. So I pray that the gospel would have its full impact today in us as believers and those here that do not know you. That the gospel have its full impact that we would have peace. Lord, we love you. We can't even imagine all this. We praise you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.